listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm glad you've tuned in. If you're like the vast majority of Americans, you've worked pretty hard to pay for and maintain your home. According to Business Insider, housing accounts for about 37% of the average American's budget, whether you own or rent. Now imagine that after all that money and hard work, someone came to your door and told you that the house that you thought you owned, you really don't. Or that the landlord to whom you've been paying rent all these months or years doesn't actually own the property. That is the reality that many people in Detroit are facing right now. They're the victims of a fake landlord scam that NBC News Digital and Outlier Media have been working to uncover for months. They report that as many as one in 10 tenants facing eviction in Detroit are in that situation because of this scam. Here to talk about all of this is one of the reporters who has been working hard to expose this scam. Aaron Einhorn is a national reporter with NBC News Digital. Aaron, welcome back to Detroit Today. Thanks. Thanks for, for having me and for drawing attention to this issue. So let's start by just explaining what is happening here. I think for people who don't spend a lot of time in Detroit neighborhoods, this is an invisible issue. But I also believe that if you spend almost any time in many Detroit neighborhoods, you see this. And it is not a small problem. It is not something that just a few people are experiencing. This is a pretty widespread issue. Uh, talk about what's going on. Yeah, I, I think that folks who don't live in Detroit might be a little surprised by this, in part because of how houses are purchased and rented elsewhere. So in the suburbs and other parts of the state, other parts of the country, you know, you you want to you know you want to get a mortgage. You you know you go to the bank, you go to the, your, your your broker. You know, you want to rent an apartment, you might go to a, a, a rental agency, or you might you know you know try to respond to an ad in, in the paper. Uh, but a lot of those institutions aren't available to folks in Detroit for a variety of reasons. So, you know, the, you know, in terms of, in terms of buying a house, you know, it, it, it's, it's pretty difficult to get a mortgage if the house is in, is in gross disrepair. And a lot of houses in Detroit are in gross disrepair. Mm -hmm. If the property values in the neighborhood are low, the mortgage company, you know, the policies are going to say, oh, we can't lend there. So, you know, so folks might, you know, turn to, you know, a local guy in the neighborhood who says, oh, well, I can sell you this house for cash or, you know, we can do a, a rent to own situation. You pay me, a, you know, a certain amount of money every month. And then at the end of the process, you'll own the house. And so it ends up being based on on trust and a handshake. Um, and if that person turns out not to be, you know, a, a straight shooter, you know, turns out to be a scammer, you might find out that the house that you thought you were buying, you're actually not buying. Mm. And and a lot of this has to do, again, with the vulnerable position that so many Detroiters are put in by the housing market, by the extreme poverty that exists in the city, and the inability to access traditional ways of, of getting housing, the kinds of Securities and supports that are in place in other communities just don't exist for people here. And so they are subject to a system that just 
doesn't have a lot of rules. And there are people taking advantage of that and therefore taking advantage uh, of these people in this vulnerable position. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, and you know, I, I was talking about about purchasing and, and it's the same with rentals. So, you know, if the if the real estate agents and the brokers, they can't make enough commission uh, because the rents are too low in Detroit. So they're going to stay out, uh, which means that, you know, folks are kind of left to fend for themselves. And I should also note that, you know, 10 years ago, Detroit was seen as a, as a bastion of home ownership, particularly black home ownership. Mm-hmm. And that changed dramatically you know, in the wake of the mortgage crisis, in the wake of, of tens of thousands of tax foreclosures over the last 10 years, a city that had always been a majority homeowner city is now a majority renter city. And so a lot of the protections that other cities that have a, a, a longer tradition of renters, protections that those cities have put in place, Detroit hasn't put in place. Mm-hmm. So Detroit doesn't have some of those guardrails that other cities have and and residents of Detroit don't have as much experience with renting because they probably grew up in a house that their parents owned. So they don't, you know, they might not realize, oh, you know, I got to make sure I get a lease. I got to make sure that I, um, you know, verify that this person is who they say they are. So there's, you know, we haven't built the infrastructure to to support the fact that we are now a majority renter city. Mm. Uh, I'm talking with Erin Einhorn. She's a national reporter with NBC News Digital. We're talking about a story published last week by NBC News and Outlier Media that exposed the dimensions of the fake landlord scam here in Detroit. People who pay lots of money in rent to someone who says they own a property, but in many cases it turns out they don't. Uh, Someone who says they want to sell you a property here in Detroit and work out the terms of that sale maybe over many years. And it turns out that they don't actually own the house in the first place to be able to sell to you. So you don't own the house, even after having paid lots of money uh, to own it. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. Uh, Give us a call and tell us what your reaction is to this idea that people in Detroit are being told that they either are renting legitimately or owning properties that they don't. Uh, We'd also love to hear from you if you're a victim of one of these scams. Tell us what that experience is like. Tell us what uh, you're doing for housing uh, after something like this happens. Also, give us a call and let us know if this is something that you see happening in your neighborhood quite a bit. Uh, I have to say that in the neighborhood where I was born, near Livernois and Grand River here in the city where I now operate a a nonprofit uh, that's a literary and community arts center, um, this is a pretty common problem for our neighbors. Uh, This is something I had not really heard a whole lot before I went back to that neighborhood and started the work that we're doing at the Tuxedo Project Um, But it is something that comes up over and over and over again. There is a lot of question about who owns what properties, who has the ability to sell those properties or to rent those properties. uh, And that makes it very difficult for our neighbors, many of whom, of course, are vulnerable, economically vulnerable, uh, to find stable decent housing. Uh, as always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDT Facebook page and put comments there. You can go to Twitter 
and hashtag Detroit Today, and uh, we'll work you into the conversation. Uh, Aaron, I want to talk a little about what the city's role is in this, what the county's role is in this, uh, and why nothing is being done about it. Even in the wake of this story being published, the response seems to have been somewhat muted or delayed. Well, I think, I mean, I mean, one of the, the big conclusions that we made with this story is that, you know, the scam is extremely widespread, you know, that as many as one in 10 tenants facing eviction. And yet there are almost no prosecutions. Very, very, very few culprits are actually charged with a crime or caught doing this, which means that they can keep on doing it to more and more people. Um, but, you know, you know, so, but it's not I, I don't think it's fair to say that oh, well, the police are just kind of, you know, shrugging their shoulders. The reality is most victims aren't telling the police. I mean, I interviewed uh, me, uh, me and, and my co-reporter, Aaron, at, at Outlier Media. We interviewed eight victims. And of the eight victims we talked to, only one had any contact with police in the wake of their scam. So the rest of them, some, I mean, some people said they were, um, they, they feared for their safety. You know, the scammer, they know their scammer. It was a lot of, like, people they knew from the neighborhood. They still see that person in the neighborhood. They were concerned about retaliation, so they didn't come forward. Others were just really overwhelmed. You know, I'm suddenly being tossed out to the curb with all, you know, my possessions are out on the curb, um, you know, and now i got to find new housing. And so the thought of, like, going after that guy you know, who probably was using a fake name, who probably had fake ID. It's it just kind of, it's not the top priority. They're, they're more urgent priorities. I got to find housing right now to put a roof over my children's heads. This is a lot of families this is happening to. Hmm. So, you know, so it, it isn't, it isn't making it to police. Uh, and then when police do try to investigate, you know, they do find out, you know, this person wasn't using a real name. They had a, you know, it was just a first name. It was a phone number. That phone number doesn't work anymore. Uh, so it becomes really difficult to investigate. It becomes difficult to to to, to catch these folks. Mm. Uh, and what is it that would change systemically or could change systemically in the city that would either make this harder to do by these people who are scamming uh, people about rent or or ownership, uh, but also would make it easier to to stop them from doing it repeatedly. In other words, to find a way to mete out some consequences so that this doesn't happen as often as it does. I mean, I think, you know, for starters, uh, you know, some education I think would be helpful in terms of making sure that tenants know to ask for ID from the person you're giving, you're turning rent money over to, you know, get a lease, a, you know, a, a large number of people that we spoke to for the story didn't have a lease when they, when they moved in. It was kind of a, you know, you, you can move in, you know, here's here's some rent money. Um, but it was more, more of an informal reaction. And they, you know, and they didn't know that they could go online or go down to the Register of Deeds and look up the property record to find out who really owns. You know, so they didn't have that information and they didn't have the resources to get that information. So the question is, can the city, can the county, can the state put resources in place to make sure that tenants and home buyers have the tools that they need to to verify and vet the transactions into which they're entering. Hmm. Uh, we did hear from Attorney General Dana Nessel, though, in response to your story. Uh, she announced this week that uh, she's going to st- re- restart 
giving advice about how to avoid these kind of scams, uh, that some action, it's not quite the the hammer, I guess that that, that you might, that you might want uh, from officials to to to, to try to deal with such a widespread problem. Yeah, no, I mean, for sure that they, you know, I mean, you know, and they, the attorney general's office also didn't have any complaints about this. So, I mean, it's sort of, you know, sh- you know, you know, could they, could they, could they go around, could they go start an investigation in another way? I mean, you, you know, if you drive around Detroit, you've, you've seen those flyers on telephone poles mm-hmm. that say, you know, house and cash, and maybe those are legitimate sellers. Maybe they're not. Maybe somebody should ask some questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got two comments on Twitter that, Twitter that I want to include in the conversation here. Uh, Carl on Twitter says, as a Detroit real estate investor, I always use two low-cost tools, the Wayne County Register of Deeds Office and Title Insurance. Never buy a house without title insurance and never rent without checking out the landlord at the Register of Deeds office. A big neo on Twitter says the city of Detroit should put out a list of approved landlords for citizens to check to see if they are on the up and up uh, for renting a home. Uh, two interesting two interesting points there, Aaron. Some of this is, again, about education and awareness. Well, and some of it, you know, it, you know, part of it is that there are so many vacant properties in the city, and a large number of those vacant properties are, in fact, publicly owned. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're land bank houses. You know, the land bank says they're making, you know, efforts to to make contact. I think they, I think it was a 2,400, I can't remember the number, but there's, you know, a couple thousand uh, occupied properties that the land bank owns. You know, can the land bank do a better job of, you know, knocking on those doors and making sure that the people living in those houses are, you know, aware of the fact that they're in a land bank house and not a house that's owned by, you know, the guy who shows up every month to collect their rent. Mm. You know, and then there's the issue, you know, a lot of properties, you know, Detroit has had so much foreclosure and so many properties have have turned over that, you know, a lot of tenants say they have no idea who they're supposed to be paying. They don't know who their landlord is. Some of the scammers in this case are actually former owners whose houses were foreclosed and they just never let on to the tenants that they're not the owner anymore. So they kept collecting the rent. Um, So, you know, what can the city do? What can the county do to make sure that people are aware of who owns their property? So if a property is foreclosed, you know, maybe some kind of notification, maybe some kind of registry, Mm. you know, maybe some kind of way that people can get the information because going online, like the, like the commenter on Twitter says, you know, you have to, First of all, you have to have a computer or a phone or yep. an internet connection. You have to know where to go. And I've used the, the online tool. You have to put in a credit card. It is not easy to use. Not it's accessible. not a simple thing where you can just, like, pop online and get it. it. Actually, you have to pay for it. It isn't free. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Aaron Einhorn of NBC News. Great to have you here to talk about uh, this story. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's going to do it for us today. Come back tomorrow when we are going to talk with Abdul El-Sayed about a new way to measure COVID. Case counts are climbing again, but that doesn't mean, he says, that we are moving backward. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation.